chest up, shoulders back. This is Revival Fitness. And if you are sick of floundering in the gym, always questioning what you're doing, not sure if it's right or wrong, wasting a lot of time there really, be sure to check out my programs down below, much more than just exercises on a sheet. I've got everything you need to shock your past self and start making serious gains in less time than you thought you needed. Something that I employ in almost every program that I write, and something that a lot of you guys are interested in too, is calisthenics. And not only bodyweight exercises, but specifically adding weight to your weight. And this is a big moment in every gym bro's life. Whether you started out using the assistant machine, whether you could do a lot of reps but they were not pretty at all, or whether you could just barely do a few and one day dreamed of being able to do a lot more, you have finally graduated. You have hit puberty, your balls have dropped, and you are now donning the iron nutsack. Congratulations, my boy, because you are now a man. And beyond just looking cool, there are a wide array of applications for calisthenics. Now, of course, we've got the calisthenics athletes who don't compete in anything, but they also complement any well-rounded weight training regimen extremely well. If you ask me, the holy trinity of well-rounded muscular development is going to be free weights, body weight, and machines. As a coach, I want to make sure that somebody's movement with their own body weight is on point before we move to anything else. So if somebody can't even do a body weight squat without their heels coming up, they have no business putting a bar on their back. In my experience, lower body movement problems are going to be more common than upper body in guys, but the upper body does have its fair share of issues too. Maybe you can't fully raise your arms overhead, or you have to heavily shrug to do so, Maybe you've got that hunched over posture that carries over to the gym, refer to my intro. Or maybe you have very tight pecs and lats that lead to imbalanced motions, and they restrict your range of motion. So from a foundational perspective, calisthenics are very important. They are really the start and end point for all training. So given the body weight fluctuation component that is inherent to calisthenics, we're going to talk about that in depth coming up soon, I like to progress with these at a more measured pace than typical big exercises. So the usual recommendation will be to add 5 pounds or 2.2 kilograms once you complete a given set or rep range. When it comes to calisthenics, I like to use plus 2.5 pounds or 1.1 kilograms, and you can even use lighter microplates if you have them. You can get microplates and more of the equipment that we're about to talk about on my Amazon store. I'll put that in the pinned comment and description too. And the common trend I see is that weighted dips and push-ups are going to progress faster than pull-ups and chin-ups. So you may commonly think that pull-ups and chin-ups would be ahead here because the back is comparatively bigger than the chest. And chin-ups will usually be a bit ahead of pull-ups given the added bicep and overall arm involvement. But of the big three weighted calisthenics, I would say dips are typically going to be the one that most guys are stronger at. Simply because dips have the shortest range of motion of all of these. So for example, right now, I'm about 175 pounds. I know, my weight has been dropping pretty fast. And I'm up to 85 pounds added, so that's 260 total, for 8 reps on my top set of dips. I have not done chin-ups in a while, I recently brought back in pull-ups, I'm doing them close grip. For those, I'm up to 35 pounds added, that is 210 pounds total, for 8 reps. So between the dips and the pull-ups, that disparity is 50 pounds, or 23 kilograms. 
for the same number of reps. And while the dips are a lower range of motion movement by default, I'd say that I get pretty darn low on mine. My shoulders go well below my elbows during the negative. Now some people cannot go this low without shoulder or sternum pain, so go as low as you can comfortably, do not push it, but I would aim at least for the shoulders to be parallel with the elbows at the bottom of each rep. And some guys are gifted with that level of mobility, they can drop very very low to the point that it's almost hard to watch, and they're totally fine. So while pull-ups, chin-ups, and dips tend to dominate the weighted calisthenic conversation, the one that is most overlooked, ironically, is probably the most popular exercise on earth, at least among guys, the push-up. So I really liked these whenever I was doing them. The setup can be annoying, given that you're gonna need some level of clearance like this if you're not using some type of vest or backpack. So you need an elevated bar and a rack, maybe a plyo box or a bench. Now I'm not going to be the person that tries to do these on the floor, and I try to finagle a plate onto my back or I ask somebody to put a plate on my back. That also makes progression very jumpy since the increments are going to be much larger. Maybe you're willing to bungee cord them around your torso or duct tape them. It's a crapshoot. Just find a better way. And lastly for the back, we have inverted rows. I got to the point where I was doing these for so many reps that adding weight, once again, a belt is usually not going to be practical here. Maybe if you position it perfectly to where it's resting on your stomach, but you're probably going to need a vest or a backpack, but this is an overlooked exercise in a lot of ways too, and it's really a great way to target the upper back. If you get to the point where doing these with your feet on the floor is easy, you can prop your feet up on a bench or a plyo box on plates, something like that, to make it more challenging, but it definitely can have its place in a program. So you could call those the big five upper body calisthenic movements. Some of you may be thinking, but well, what about the legs, bro? Let's be real, nobody who is very, very into calisthenics only cares about their legs. It just isn't happening. I don't care how many guys try to convince me, oh man, I work my legs with Hindu squats and air squats and pistol squats, and I jump up and down and I run up hills and stuff. I mean, those are going to grow your legs to some degree, guys. It is going to happen, and you can add weight to those too. But realistically, if you want to build serious legs, big and strong, you're going to have to use barbells and machines and dumbbells and those modalities. It's just not going to happen using your body weight, even if you can attach some weight to yourself. It is what it is. You're going to have to get over it. And a lot of ab exercises involve body weight too. The plank is very similar to the push-up. I see some people do planks and they will have a buddy put a 45 on their back and they sit there for as long as they can. That's a crapshoot to me. I'm not a big fan of it. If I'm going to add weight to calisthenics in some capacity for the core, I would say a decline sit-up in some form is probably going to be the best way. I think holding dumbbells is the best bet here because I see a lot of people, they do this with the hyperextension bench even too. They will just hold plates. I don't know this fixation whenever you get on some type of bench like this of just holding a plate. I see people in my own gym do it, man. They're big and strong and they will just grab 245s and hold on to them. And that's all they do. They never increase the weight at all. I mean, you cannot hold 245s and then a 5 or even a 45 and a 25 well, unless you're using bumper plates that are the same diameter, I guess then you could possibly do it. But even so, once again, we return to the crapshoot. So instead, what you should do, I think, is hold dumbbells. Because dumbbells are going to go up in small increments. You could hold them one at a time, or you could use both hands to hold a single one, depending on how you prefer to do it. Even if you're doing hanging leg raises and you want to put ankle weights on yourself, I mean, anything is going to be better 
than this thing where people just like to hold a plate and then they just add a bigger plate and their progression basically is at a flat line for years because they have no more space to hold the biggest plates they can. I think you can apply it more tactically than that. But now that we've covered the exercises, it's time to talk about weight fluctuation during bulking and cutting and how you can best manage that. I talked about the rate of gain before when it comes to bulking, where calisthenics are going to be harder given the fact that your weight is going up. This whole thing of one pound a week gain, I think is stupid, and it's really how you gain way more fat than necessary. So ideally, your weight on a bulk is going to be slowly going up, like a very gradual angle, not a sharp curve. So that's just a quick tip for you guys. If you find that your weighted calisthenics start regressing pretty quickly into your bulk and the scale is going up concurrently pretty fast, that's a good sign that you need to slow down. Now, I've said before that one of the indicators that you're in the sweet spot of a bulk is if you are making a good progress on your weighted calisthenics as your body weight is increasing. Now, granted, this is not going to be very linear a lot of the time, and I would say the newer you are into a bulk, the more consistent this is going to be, but it is possible to have an upward trend over a long period, even bulking for many months, if not over a year. So for example, let's say that you weigh 180 pounds, and you can do eight pull-ups with five pounds added this week. Next week, you get nine. Then the week after, you almost get 10, but let's be honest, you can't count it, so still 9. And this is a big note here, guys, when it comes to not only weighted calisthenics, but any exercise. You need to keep your form and your tempo consistent for tracking purposes. So, this is hard whenever you're in PR setting mode, but if your eyes are reaching bar level on pull-ups, then you start going just below that, but you keep counting the reps for the sake of getting the higher number in your logbook, that's Fugazi. Calisthenics can be hard in this way since there's not really a concrete way to determine your range of motion. Like a bench press bar touches your chest, you know you've hit it every single time. On a pull-up or chin-up, you could say to pull until the bar touches your delts or your clavicle. I've seen some people say that. Granted, a lot of people simply don't have the bone structure to ever do that comfortably, even if they have the strength to be able to. And for chin-ups, I would say this is going to be easier given the grip to pull yourself up higher. But in either case, the closer the grip, the better your chances. But a good rule of thumb that I abide by for pull-ups and chin-ups is getting your eyes just over the bar. And this is something that you're going to have to be conscious of on each rep. I know sometimes your music's blasting, other things in the gym distract you, especially if there's a girl, your eyes are constantly darting to try to look at her. But you need to zone in, you need to be aware of this. And something a lot of people do is they will lift their chin at the top. You ever see people do calisthenics and at the top they go like this? They like kind of lead with their chin almost, almost like they're trying to mew or something. But they will do that at the top so they can technically clear the bar. And that's sort of a way for the body to compensate for the fact that right at the top it's getting very, very hard. Or at the last second too, people like to shrug. So they have a clean pull, then at the top, they will round over and shrug their shoulders up, maybe swing the legs a bit. God forbid you start doing those CrossFit-style pull-ups. There's a lot of subtle ways to cheat on these that are far less obvious than the CrossFit style, but do not let those become a habit. That was a bit of a tangent there. Uh, where were we? Oh, that's right. So, first week, 8 reps with 5 pounds added. Then 9 reps with 5 pounds. Next week, you get 9 clean, but the 10th is ugly. You can only count the ninth. Then the next week, 
you get nine clean again. And the 10th is slightly less ugly, but you still realistically, if you're being honest, you can't count it. And then the week after that, let's say you finally get that 10th clean rep. When bulking, it can easily take you a scenario like this, basically a month or even longer, to add even a couple reps to your weighted calisthenics. And in that scenario, even with the plateaus, it was still pretty linear. Sometimes it might not even look that good, because that's also pretty commonly going to happen after a number of months. So let's assume we're in the same scenario. First week, you get eight reps, then you get nine, nice. Then on the third week, you randomly drop down to seven. Maybe you had a lot of water before the gym, maybe you had a big meal that day or the day prior, maybe you didn't sleep as much, maybe you're feeling a little bit under the weather. There are a lot of factors that can affect this. Dang, only seven. Then the next week, you got eight again. All right, cool. Then again, you get eight, and then you finally get nine. So in between the time that you got the first nine reps and the second nine reps on your top set, that is four weeks in between. Once again, if you're in a bulking context, you cannot be surprised or discouraged when something like this happens. It is going to be part of the process. And as if that wasn't bad enough, you're likely going to lose reps with each passing set. So doing straight sets with the same weight is a great training style. I like to do it for most of the things that I do, but you're unlikely if you're in a phase where your weight is going up, even when cutting, because these exercises are compound movements, they are very tiring on the body, you're unlikely to get the same number of reps per set. So, let's say you're doing three sets of a weighted calisthenic, doesn't matter what it is, and you get 10 on the first set, 9 on the second set, 8 on the third set. And then if the first set was really brutal, you might only get 10 and then 8 and then 7, and if you're bulking, the 10-8-7 might follow the week of 10-9-8. So that can kind of throw a lot of guys off. They think, oh man, I'm regressing, or I'm suddenly plateaued. I would not formally say you've plateaued unless you've had a minimum of two weeks of not being able to add any weight or reps. And keep in mind, in the bulking context, your weight is already slowly climbing up, so it can be hard to judge exactly how much your weight has not improved. So if you're stuck with five pounds added, but your body weight's gone up by a pound, you've still technically added weight, even if you don't realize that you did. We're going to talk about ways to track your weight for these coming up soon. So for pretty much all of these movements, besides the decline sit-ups and other ab exercises, and you could say the inverted row too, I would just go to the bleeding edge of failure, but not aim to outright fail. When it comes to a dip though, I would say that is without question the biggest risk in terms of injury, because some dip bars don't have like a platform for your feet to where you can land or catch yourself if you fail. You do not want to sink yourself into a shoulder injury on weighted dips. That is not going to be fun. You can fail pull-ups and chin-ups safely. In terms of progression, though, I don't think that's what you always want to be doing because, as I've talked about before, if you're constantly going to total failure, like you couldn't possibly do another rep even with cheating, you're going to train your body to fail. Which, for muscle growth, that's not really bad. But once again, to get bigger, you have to get stronger. And over the long run, I think you're better keeping... Roughly one rep in reserve, or very close to it, and steadily progressing more so, as opposed to always going to total death struggle failure, bro, and then you plateau more often than you'd like to. So the key takeaway with bulking and weighted calisthenics is that you need to be patient, even more so than you normally already have to be. But don't worry, because whenever you finally cut, the calisthenics are going to become easier. 
So if you're looking for a very quick and easy plateau buster on weighted calisthenics, you could just do a mini cut, but don't do that just for the sake of hitting some PRs, it's not worth it if you don't need to. Now that said, you might be able to hit 5 pounds a week for a while, like a standard linear progression, once you are into your cut. And especially when you just transition into it, your weight is likely going to be dropping the fastest, you're going to have a loss of water retention, especially if you drop the carbs a lot. So for reference here, you can see this clip of me doing dips from my last cut in summer 2022. This was a lifetime PR for me by a noticeable margin. This is 263 total pounds, or 120 kg, 173 pounds body weight, and those are 245s attached, so 90 pounds total on the chain. I did three sets here. I got 9, 8, and then 7 reps. I am very close to beating that once again, and I am going to do so soon. So when you're cutting, enjoy it. These things are going to be easier by default, but be careful not to get too overzealous. And I'm very guilty of this myself. My weight has fluctuated more in the past few months than it ever really has. I brought dips back in about two months ago, and between my body weight dropping and getting reacclimated to this exercise, I went from doing dips with 60 pounds added for 7 reps, now I'm up to 85 pounds added for 8 reps. So that's practically a linear rate, as mentioned earlier, of 5 pounds per week. Now of course that's not going to happen indefinitely, and it's already started to slow down. Now I'm at the point where I'm spending roughly 2 weeks or so on the same weight, typically, just trying to hit the top end of the rep range before I can increase the weight once again. You remember at the beginning I said you should add 2.5 pounds, not 5? I learned the hard way too. I like to go for adding 5 and then I inevitably plateau and realize, oh, I should have added 2.5, so I should listen to myself. So when you get those boosts from cutting, adding weight to your calisthenics, it can be easy to expect that that's going to be carried out consistently over the long term and it's simply not going to work like that. If you're doing a serious cut, the fatigue alone is going to catch up to you, depending on the day. Some days you might feel fine, you can hit PRs, all is good. Other days, even if nothing seemingly went wrong, if you're just on low food, adding cardio, things like that, it just might not happen for you. You might even see slight regressions from time to time when cutting, but in any case, you have to keep the consistent tracking metrics in mind. Don't skimp on range of motion, don't go from doing full dead hangs to having bend in your elbows. Don't start rushing through the reps, don't just start dive bombing and swinging back up. Don't start counting reps that were not the same quality as the ones that preceded them, just to say you hit a number. You need to keep all of these things consistent. And as I always tell you guys, looking in the mirror, even if you are in a position to where you can do these looking directly at yourself, the mirror is not an accurate gauge of your form. Especially if you have to crane your neck side to side to try to see yourself, that is a no-go. You guys can buy very cheap tripods now that hold phones, they're readily available. If you're serious about this, again, not just calisthenics but any exercise, you need to record your form at this point. You can also prop your phone up on a pre-made easy bar, some other equipment, whatever you can find in the gym, have your friend record you, whatever the case might be, but you need tangible proof that you are meeting those metrics that I just mentioned. Because in the heat of the moment, especially the newer that you are, the less kinesthetic awareness that you have, you may think, oh man, all those reps were great. If you got footage of those and were honest with yourself, you might see that half of them did not look the way you thought they did. And that leads us to the final part of this video, methods to track your weight. 
because it might not be as straightforward as it may seem. If you're going to do weighted calisthenics to get the most accurate measurement possible, you want to weigh yourself before the workout, not just at the start of the day. So this is going to be the best method since your weight is inevitably going to be different from when you first wake up, unless you go right into training fasted every morning, which I would think most of you are not doing. So whether you're bulking, cutting, or recomping, the food that you eat, as well as the beverages, are going to make your weight go up in some amount during the day. Bulking is usually going to have the most notable effect. So while the pre-workout weigh-in is the best method, there could be a few issues with it. The first being if you drink water during your workout, your weight is going to go up. Now, will that really affect the scale to any significant degree? I don't think so. Unless you get to the gym and you are just chugging water, you're one of those people that carry around the big gallon jug of it, this is going to be very minuscule. So I think you're in the clear here. But this also can be affected by the order you do, where in the workout you do said calisthenics. If you do them deeper into the workout, the more water you've likely drank, so your weight could potentially be up a bit more. Now note too that as you do your workout, your weight is also likely going to go up in some amount due to the water retention and the inflammation from the muscular stress that you're putting your body under, which is normal. But a lot of people who want to lose fat freak out because they will weigh themselves after the workout and the number is higher, and they think they've magically gained body fat in that time. And God forbid you're the guy who checks the scale thinking if it went up that he gained muscle, during the workout, in either case, it is going to return to normal within a few hours, typically. And this might be the biggest issue of all. Can you trust your gym scale? In every gym I've ever been to, at least one person has sworn that the scale is way off compared to what they have at home. And this does not matter if it's a basic digital scale or one of those big ones with the adjustable beams. Most times, these scales are going to be very old. They're probably on some uneven surface and they could simply be broken or miscalibrated. So that sucks. But are you going to bring your own scale to the gym in your bag? I know a select few of you are probably autistic enough to do so, but that's simply unfeasible for most people. So if you're going to use this method weighing yourself right before the workout with the scale or scales that the gym provide you, you're going to have to go based on what it says for the consistency of the measurement. And if you don't want to do this method, or if your gym does not have a scale, or if you tend to forget regularly, which sounds like something that I would do, you can simply weigh yourself in the morning if you commonly do that, and you could go based off that measurement too. I mean, really, even if the measurement is not extremely 100% accurate, if you weigh yourself in the morning every time, like clockwork, and that's what you use as the reference point, you're getting a consistent reference point, so... You can't really complain about that. You remember the old phrase, if a tree falls in the forest, but no one's around to hear it, doesn't make a sound? If your weight fluctuates up or down, but you didn't step on the scale to see it, did it actually change? So what do I do? A lot of the time, I just go in and lift. I am a notorious for not weighing myself. I have never weighed myself every morning on a consistent basis. I don't think I ever will, unless I have a specific weight class that I must hit. And even then, I'd be doing so closer to the weigh-in time, not all the time. I keep an eye on the scale. Maybe I'll check it once a week or so. But I have never been obsessive and constantly tracking the exact amount that I weigh at any given time. And I understand that my method is not perfect, but it does not bother me. 
What I commonly do is I go to the gym, see what my scheduled added weight is for giving calisthenics, and I just do the sets. If I'm stronger than expected, great. If my performance is about on par as expected, alright, cool. If it's down by a rep or two, or maybe I'm totally exhausted by the final set, so be it. It happens. You do not have to meticulously track your weight to get good results in the gym one way or the other. I know a lot of you like to, and I totally understand it, but you don't have to. If you want to get really messy with this, have you considered weighing your plates? You guys know a lot of plates in gyms are not what they say. They might say 45, they're actually 43 pounds, or even 47. The 25s might be 22. The 10s might be 11 pounds. You want to stand on the scale for everything you do, right? I mean, we could really go down the rabbit hole here. I'm getting off track now, but keep that in mind, guys. The scale is useful in a number of ways for reference points, but it's not the end-all be-all of fitness. Even when tracking weighted calisthenics, if you don't want to, if you're going up gradually, you see a consistent trend, you're good. Cutting, bulking, whatever. It's going to be slower one way or the other. Might be a little bit up and down, choppy, but it's about the long-term slow trend, not the immediate, oh my god, what's happening just today. But this has been it for me, guys. Thank you for watching. Be sure to share this with a friend who needs to see it. Check out my programs down below and implement some of these tips. You can get in direct contact with me best way is on Patreon. You can also get access to our community Discord there. Hundreds of active members every single day. And use my links down below to save money on some great products and services. And I'll catch you guys next time.